This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 411 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Horselovers.com, Sparkle and Boom, and That Newport Show. Auditor Alex Smith and her 10 horses are listeners of the week. Nick talks about saying no. And our horselovers.com tack and habit product is the Weatherbeater Light Fetlock Boots, reviewed by Auditor Avery. Listen in. Welcome to the stable scoop. With weekly shows delivered right to you With Helena and Glenn the Geek Live from the stable, it's every week they bring you the news through hail or high water While using their tails as their own fly swatters So sit on down and laugh till your poop Cause it's time again for Stable School Stable scoop. Stable scoop. Stable This is Glenda Geek. And this is Helena B. And you're listening to my favorite show on the Horse Radio Network, <laughs> the Stable Scoop Radio Show. I guess it'd be sad if another show was your favorite <laughs> show, wouldn't it? Well, Horse Tip <laughs> Daily used to be my favorite show, but I really love getting to know our listeners this year. So for this year, Stable Scoop <laughs> is my new favorite. <laughs> I can't say what my favorite is or I'll have like four hosts quitting. So I, I can't like saying, say, I'm sorry, Helena. child. <laughs> that's right. We all know it's me. That's but right. That's we all know it's you, Helena. That's correct. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Well, uh, we have a fun show. Lots of stuff going on in the shows here lately. We have Nick coming up. And, uh, you know, it's funny because he said, I want to talk because he does our productivity tips. And he said, I want to talk to you about how to say no. And I thought, you know, that's something that all of us are not very good at. Right. You know, we're all wanting to do everything, especially right when it comes to your kids. Uh, you know. no, funny enough, my kids are the easy ones to say <laughs> no to. I have a lot of practice. Was it always that way or when they were smaller, was it harder to say no? Is what, um, it's harder now because she uses logic to argue. Ah, see that damn logic thing that teenagers figure out. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the problem. I'm, I'm find myself struggling to fight against the urge to say, because I said so. (laughs) Because that's, that's what every mom wants to say. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, the real explanation is just. Uh, too did your parents use that one? Mine did all the time because I said so. Because I said so. Yes. Mine yes. Did. Yeah. Yes. My my mother did, and and but you know, even as a teenager, you know your parents have a reason, and you're just trying to get your way. That's pretty much what it comes down to. You're just trying to get your way. Because isn't that, you know, because I said so, just because you're so tired and you really don't want to have to explain it. You, That's you know, exactly it. Right? You just just do it my way because I said so. Yeah, I'm not going to get, although my kid knows by now I'm, I'm not going to cave in. When she was little, I used to say, well, I consulted a parenting coach and I was like, all right, bef- I need a way to let my kid know that she's getting... She's traveling in dangerous territory, you know, by by pushing my buttons here. Like when I say no, no means no. But she pushes and pushes and pushes. And then I snap and I get really mad. And, and I your yell Italian at comes out. Oh, big time. So I said, what can I how can I 
prevent this from happening? And she said, why don't you come up with a code word or some code phrase that lets your child know that things are about to get ugly? And she's... Did it she's start with an F or not? No, no, no. we <laughs> used to call it we used to call it stormy waters. Oh, really? Say, <laughs> you would say Grace. the waters are getting stormy? <laughs> yep, yep. And then, Grace, the waters are getting stormy. And then it was... The seas are getting a little rough, you know. <laughs> and then, all right, Grace, there is a big gale force. There's a tidal wave, wave coming. Just <laughs> offshore. <laughs> yes. Uh, but you know, in order, you do have to associate the. Phrase. It's just like clicker training. You have to associate the phrase, you know, the verbal cue yeah, yeah, with, with the pu- some with the potential punishment that's coming. <laughs> so yeah, you got to. Do you like your? I phone? yelled at her enough times, or she figured out what stormy waters meant. You know, there's something that my parents and your parents didn't have to hold over our heads is taking technology away, like cell phones. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's something that they didn't have to use over us. I mean, we're lucky if we found a payphone and had a quarter, uh, you know, so they couldn't use that. Uh, nope. I remember when we would get done with, this is going back, and everybody over 40 will remember this, when we get done with uh, sports at night and the parents had to come pick us up on the occasions we didn't make the late bus, Yep. Um, it was from our high school to Terry Hill to where we lived was long distance. So it was more than a quarter. It was like a dollar fifty to call on the payphone. So we had this code set up that we would put the dime in at that time, uh, put the dime in, and we would call, and it would ring twice, and we'd hang up. And my mom knew that if the house phone rang twice, it was yep. time to come pick us up because it was long distance to call from the school yep. to the house. That's so funny. <laughs> Those are the yep. things we had to do before cell phones. We did something like that too. Yeah, yeah. Or you, you would. You, or one of ours was you would call collect. Oh the yes. Person, yes. The person would on the other they end would say would, no. De- would decline, <laughs> yes. but that was the signal. Yeah, I, I think everybody used that one, didn't they? Uh, right. Yeah, I don't know. We, we did that one. My grandmother came up with that. She was so proud of herself. She thought she was really innovative. Well, you know, back then you'd pay a dollar fifty for a three-minute call across town if it was long I distance. Know. Ma Bell. Ma, long distance. Jeez. Yep. Those were the days when you'd call your grandparents and you were only allowed to talk for like three minutes. <laughs> Hello, what's yes. up? That's it. Bye. <laughs> That's funny. Yep. And then everybody would wait for the other to call so they'd have to pay the bill. Yeah. Ah. Uh, Jeez. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those do seem like ancient times, don't they? Gosh. And yeah, it was like, I don't even, I don't know, who, where were we? Somewhere there was a telephone a phone booth somewhere. And then somebody said to somebody else, do you even know what this is for? It was like, you know, an older generation person asking a younger generation person, do you even know what this is for? You know, I saw the phone booths at the airport last time I was there. And I thought the thinking, I wouldn't know how to use one anymore. Because we used to have the cards, right? The cards you could use, the it, you know, the phone cards you use in the phone booth. But I don't, I, I don't know if you use credit card. I don't even know how to make a call to phone booth anymore. I don't remember that. <laughs> I don't remember how to do it. I mean, funny? I don't remember the card, the days of the card. Yes, we had phone cards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you have to type in your 85-digit number into the thing. It's take forever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I do remember the calling phone cards. cards. Yes, they were called calling cards. Calling cards. Yes. And you used to have to type that number in to make a long-distance call on a payphone. I think I vaguely, oh, vaguely remember that. <laughs> and then we used to have, when I was growing up, we had still had party lines. So there were three people. There were three houses on our street on the party line. So you'd pick up and there'd be other people talking away. Huh. Yeah. So and then of course every time and somebody would have to somebody ha- would have to hang up in order to make another call. 
Yeah, That's yeah, right. yeah. You're like, who's going to hang up? Not and you'd me. hear the people, you were, if you were the one talking to your friends or whatever, you know, picture this, your teenager trying to talk to your friend, right? And you hear people picking up the whole time, and they can hear everything you're saying. Yeah. Oh, the days yeah. of party. Now, or the now, worst when you had, kids don't what about remember. when you had multiple phones in one household, and somebody would pick up the oh, extension yes. upstairs, and you're like, hang up! Yeah, but it used to be my I'm brother. That's right. <laughs> Siblings were good for that. Yeah, you couldn't have a private conversation with anybody uh, it, back in those days. <laughs> you could not. Uh, no, and everybody under 30 does not have any idea what we're talking about right now. They have nope. no clue. No clue. <laughs> All right, let's do this. Let's get uh, Nick on right after we talk about horselovers.com. You know, I got to tell you, they've been we've been buying stuff over there. They have had some tremendous sales, like uh, they have an Independence Day sale going on right now. I think that only goes on through today, but you just have to go over for their deal of the, deals of the day and their flash sales. And right now on the flash sale, to give you an example, they have Pessoa uh, classic ladies shirts, show shirts for $16, regularly 80 bucks. Wow. They have a Western uh, uh, breast collar from Tough One that's regularly 63 for 38 So, I mean, you just have to take a look at their website almost every day because they always have stuff going on. They also have, I wanted to mention the spring sweepstakes. Hold on a minute. I got to stop you there for a second. That yeah. show shirt is, is stretch cotton. I know it's a it's a Pacella. It's wow! Not like, not like it's a non I know for a show shirt, it, dude. I would like I wear gotta it. get my horse show ready <laughs> just so right. I can get the bargain. That's actually a really nice shirt. It is a really nice shirt, and you know what else they have going on right now? I wanted to mention this: is they have a sweepstakes going on. You know how. Horse Lovers always does their great sweepstakes. Well, it's uh, their 2016 spring sweepstakes. You just go there. You can enter now uh, for off the homepage. It's $15,000 in cash and prizes. So, and they do the best prizes. You know, last year during the Radiothon, during the Christmas, they give away a trip. And the person won the trip and came here to Florida to Disney World. They had, they had an all-expense trip to Disney World. And they had a bunch of the prizes that this girl won shipped to our house at the studio here. And she got to check them out and they did pictures here at the studio. It was these two huge boxes. And that was only one of 12 boxes of prizes. Sure. <laughs> Talk wow. about a good Christmas. And this girl was very excited, by the way. <laughs> she, was, she was an inventor out of California. So, yeah, check it out and sign up for the sweepstakes. You're eligible for that, by the way. You're not exempted from that. So. That was my next question. Yeah, no, you're good. You can sign up at the sweepstakes on, on the uh, – just go to the homepage and go to Deals of the Day, and you'll find the 2016 Spring Sweepstakes win 15000 in cash and prizes. There uh, it is. Yep. There it is. 15000 Enter now. All I have to do is... Horselovers.com. Oh, it says, sorry, you missed it. Oh, is it over? Yeah, 2016 Spring Sweep State has oh, entered. Oh, no. You missed it. Dab nabbit. Oh. Well, I, we well, tried. I tried, everybody. Uh, but keep well, here's the out. deal. Dude, I, sweepstakes or not, I'm looking at their flash sale, and they got some... So that shirt that, that we were just talking about, the classic... Uh -huh. The Pessoa Classic Show shirt, that's $16.99. That's just for today. Yep, and it changes every day. So probably by the time you hear this, that'll be done. But I wanted to tell, you know, I just want to give you an example of the kind of things that they have on there. So you really do have to just set it to go over every day. Or better yet, yeah. just sign up for their emails, which have, have it on every day. They do uh, a, yep. little, a little yep. alert. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
So uh, check that out today. They Sounds don't... like a familiar model. Familiar, um, yes. Familiar, familiar that we we can all appreciate. I like it. I like that we can move over to this new horse Actually, lovers I version. I think it's uh, really good deals. Though. I mean, really good. So check them out. Yes. And right now we're going to go learn how to be more productive as we do once a month here on Stable Scoop when we get Nick Snap from the Make It Snappy Show. It's time for our productivity tip of the month with Nick Snap, host of the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. I am so glad you're back on, Nick, because I was Buck and I were just talking about how to say no more often so that we could lead more proactive lives. It's been a whirlwind. And I mean, this is sort of the general problem, I think, that your listeners really appreciate um, you're helping them with, which is how to go from being reactive and just surviving to living a more proactive life. And saying no, I think, is a key to that. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to serve up this week. I'm so glad to be here. I'm glad you're excited. I think this is a really important topic that we need to dive into for sure. Yeah. There's a lot of, like, I'm a people pleaser. And so Mm. for whatever the cause is of my saying yes to too many things, um, I think there's an element of having to dig into that. Why do I say yes all the time? But even more important is how to convert that uncomfortable yes into a solid no. So that's right. That's right. Well, it's, I was going to start in a different direction, but since you said that, I don't want to lose that thought, that uncomfortable yes into a solid no. It's one thing I've learned is just not giving excuses, you know, just say, no, I'm, I don't do that or I don't support those sort of activities. Just really kind of cutting it off there. If you leave, if you give that excuse and you're, I talked about it recently, you're almost empowering the other person, you know, to challenge you. Mm. So if it's um, being invited to, some place, some event that you don't even want to go to from a, even a family friend, it's no, at this point in time, man, it's, I might actually even get into excuse myself, but it's just, no, we're, we don't go to these types of events. They're not right for our family. You know, like it, it, if you, so it's, it's trying to make it as uh, straightforward and clean as possible is one of the keys. That's hard to do. Yeah, it is. And then it's hard to do in and of itself. But then once saying yes becomes a habit, now you have to break the habit of saying yes, as well right. as overcoming the inherent challenge of of making that no a solid one. You have to really believe that you have the right to say no. Right. And you know what? When you say no enough, or if you've even experienced somebody else telling you no. So I invited a couple people on my podcast larger names. And I remember the response I got from their representative, their agent was this person made a deliberate decision three years ago, not to do anything outside of their core responsibilities or their core activities. Mm -hmm. So we don't go on other people's podcasts. That's it. They made a decision. They didn't even really give it a reason just other than that. This was not part of their core activities. So And I heard that. I said, yeah, that really sucks, but I get it. Yeah. And I'm fine with it. So you almost, the people actually are brave and they are deliberate about their nose. You respect them more. I I know I do. And it's nice that they make it a blanket no, because it's not personal. It's not about you. It's not, no, we don't want to be on Nick's show. It's just, no, we don't do that. And that, that really, I think that helps you to maintain 
whatever social or business connection that you might want to maintain, but mm-hmm. still allow you to say no within that context. Right. Because um, you do, you, you, re- it's not personal. It's not about you. Right. And kind of going back to like the family barbecue thing or whatever, a friend asked you to go to the barbecue. Uh, if you, and I love how you said that because you're not making it personal. It's not about the person. So if you were to make some sort of excuse where, oh, I've got this other thing going on, maybe it's not true, maybe it is, but you give them that window, they're going to invite you again, right? Yep. <laughs> but if you, if you give them a, uh, the reason that, no, right now, the time that I get to spend with my family is very limited. And because of that, we don't do barbecues. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, it's a, it's it's kind of a. I hate hamburgers. Example, I'm not coming. <laughs> <laughs> and my family's more important right now. You know, and that's it. Yeah. Now, if you have uh, brisket, I might come. That's right. Have brisket. I'm sorry. We yeah. We don't we don't eat meat. Yeah. Ever. <laughs> you know which but, one's easy? I think it, an easy no to give is work, and I think people use that a lot. Right. I, I have to work. I can't. You know, so that's an easy one for people who can get away with it. You you know, the one I run into all the time, and I just had it last week again, and I've gotten better at this, is I keep getting asked to be on boards. I guess I'm at that age Mm -hmm. where I have gray hair now, and they ask you to be on a board because they think you know something. And this was a major association. And that's the thing. You're usually asked to be on boards that are important, right? So, and it's like, I'm flattered. I'm very flattered. But I always tell them the same thing. I cannot devote the time that would be necessary to do it correctly. That's right. You deserve better than me. And that's what I tell them. You deserve better than me because Mm -hmm. I will not be good for you. Um, That's right. And and there's no argument with that, right? I mean... They, they, nobody can come back on that. <laughs> no, not at all. Right. And I, I remember it leads me to a story when I was working in corporate America and people used to drop by my desk all the time, just interrupting me with these fires, these emergencies that happen constantly. I had a team of seven people under me. And I remember saying, look, just like you said, you deserve my full attention right now. I can't give it to you because I have a critical deadline or I'm in the middle of something or this just isn't the best way that I operate. But I will carve out a dedicated period of time for you during these hours. If it's a consistent time during the week, get it on the calendar, whatever. But it's, no, this doesn't work for me. This is what does. Or in your case, being invited to a conference or a barbecue or some big project even, giving them an appropriate alternative. I'm not interested, but this person might be interested. Mm. So that's one good way. I mean, it thinks when it's saying no, it's all about just setting boundaries and setting them early. So I've always been a huge proponent of the 80-20 principle, Pareto's principle. You know, Which is? 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. Oh, right. So can you do more of those 20% to get those larger results? But recently, I've inspired by The One Thing by Gary Keller. Fantastic book. I've been pushing my limits on this Pareto principle and taking it further. And I've been helping my clients take it further and just showing them how can they can push their own limits and concentrate on just that one thing that's going to give them those extraordinary results. Those things that we're going to make everything else easy or unnecessary. And that's fundamentally saying no to everything else besides that. So every, but the, the, here's the challenge that I have is mm-hmm. the request comes in and most of this stuff is happening at the speed of light. So I, I may have this You know, I'm having a conversation with somebody and they invite me to, I don't know, a business luncheon and, oh, I think it'd be great for you to meet so-and-so. And 
I have to be able to assess whether or not that's going to be, I, I hate to say it, it's a little bit selfish, but it has to be that way. I have right. to assess in that, in that minute whether or not taking the time to do this luncheon is going to be productive for me. Is it going to be some benefit to me, my job, my family, whatever? So in that minute where I have to make a quick decision, um, I need something to fall back on, some tool to reach into, you know, in my little toolkit that, that -hmm. helps me to say, no, I can't do this because then you're stuck. You're, you're, you're like, uh, uh, I want to go. Then you feel socially awkward and you're like, I really should go. Um, so you really need something that's available to you quickly because, these questions and these invitations, these things come up very quickly. Right. And that's a really good point. You said the blanket statements are good, but I think the first exercise is if you don't know what that one thing is to find out what that one thing is in this particular point in your life. So at, there's at that moment or like, or just sort of sit down when you have a few minutes and say to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm not, I'm only going to accept invitations for a, B and C anything beyond that. I can't do. Well, I think it goes a little, Go ahead. Yeah, what I'm there. saying is, is that that's a pretty broad statement. It may be helpful, mm-hmm. but you know, there are these one-on-one situations. I don't think that's going to apply for. So I guess I'm looking to you to say, what's, what's your line of thinking as these conversations come up? Sure. And the, the tactical piece is huge. So if, if something, it goes for me, I zoom out and I think about where am I right now in my business, in my life? What are those major issues that I need to solve? And, and then drilling that down to, okay, now that I have like three major issues, what's, what's the most important? Getting it down to the one thing. And once you know that one thing, think about all these invitations, the things that come up. So if my one thing is, for example, I need to seat my group coaching program. That's my one thing that's going to make everything else that I'm doing easier or I don't even need it. So how do I seat that coaching program and then what's going to interfere. So whatever activity that you're in, that you're getting invited to, yep. if you, for example, dedicate eight hours a day to sell your coaching program, for example, will that interfere? And once you seat the coaching program and it's done, you have that extra time, you've accomplished your goal and looking at like all these different things. No, are they going to interfere with it or not? So I, I look at it that way. What could get in the way? There's great opportunities. There's good opportunities, but they might not be the great ones. So it might right. be saying no even to clients who might be good clients, but not the great ones, not the ones that are going to move the needle the fastest. So the more deliberate we can be about those day-to-day decisions and understand, which means you got to go through the exercise of understanding what your one thing is. Mm. That's, that's key. If you don't do that, then you're just kind of guessing. You know, like that. Right. I, I look at... All the different activities, are they feeding each other? The peripheral ones too, the things that we're doing on social media, the Facebook groups, podcast interviews, how are they rolling up into what's moving it forward for you in this, in this period of your life? Right. And there's yeah. also the, the um, so establishing your goals, I mean, really understanding and internalizing what your goals are will give you a better picture of what tactical things you should and should not do in order to meet those goals. And then this way, when those tactical invitations come up, you're better able to identify those as being productive or unproductive. Right. Definitely. You kind of have to define the goal first. Yeah. The goals, you said goals, plural. I would just start with, no, what's the goal? Yep. What are you going to do now in the next 30 days? And then what, what could you do to accomplish these goals? What kind of 
investment in your time and your resources is it going to take and systematically eliminating all those things that you could do into the things that you will do. Right. How many of those frogs are you going to eat? Right. Yeah. And you, you can't, you can't really eat more than one frog at a time, obviously. Right, Glenn? But (laughs) so it's unless you want to get really sick. Yeah. yeah. Nasty frogs. Um, But it's, it's not, it's not a terribly difficult exercise to go through, but it is hard to sit down and have the discipline to do it. So I think that's where people get tripped up. They just don't take the time to think about it. Well, and the other thing too, and we'll wrap with this, the other thing is guilt. You feel extremely mm-hmm. guilty, right? Right. Especially if it's family. You, you feel extremely guilty saying no to family for whatever. Right. And, you know, we've that's had- where having the goal helps is, is when you, it's much easier to get rid of, to override the guilty button, you know, that guilty button because like, nope, I'm focusing on something else. Focus and determination, I don't know, for me personally, helps me overcome that guilt. I have to serve myself right now. I can't, I can't please everybody. So I might as well start with myself. I think that it goes back to just people want to know whether they're your subordinates or your family. They just want to know, one, that you care about them. And two, they really do want to know your why. They, do you know they, who they, is the best at saying no? And Helena knows exactly who. <laughs> the best at saying no without any guilt whatsoever. Who is that you know, Helena? Um, My wife. I don't. Jennifer? Yes. Yeah, she, she is. Yep. <laughs> she really is, actually. And I know I'm married to her. So and She I've has no guilt. No she's very, she's <laughs> very calm about it. That's the thing. It's the absence of guilt. And then when I start feeling guilty about stuff, she has this famous saying. She just says, get over it. And, you know, no, there's, <laughs> it's easy in, in, in this household with Jennifer around, Nick. Sure. And, but from the guilt perspective, if you want to play the guilt game, to think about the guilt of what that's going to be if you don't do your thing that you really need to do. What's that going to, how's that going to affect your family? Oh, how's it going to affect too. everything? Just yeah. like switch it on. This is a little, little small guilt. Today, deep. <laughs> well, because you know what? These extra things that you do will not only do they take up your time, but they suck up your energy. And then where, what energy do you have to give to your children, your wife, your husband, or your employees? So there's energy sucks as well. And I think, again, if this all goes back to looking at when you have the time to sit down and have this conversation with yourself and identify the blockages, identify the energy sucks, identify the unproductive invitations so that when they come up, you'll know them when you see them. And then it'll be a lot, you'll be prepared. It's just like role-playing when you're selling, you know, right. you, yes. you role-play, you practice it. And then when game time comes around, you're far more prepared than if you just sort of had to, um, you know, deal with it ad hoc. You're right. It's all about the preparation. There's so many different ways we could take this thing and ways to to get ahead of the game. But again, it's just at the end of this whole you look at this whole productivity thing, it's are you going to take the time to do the work? Or are you going to actually sit down and be deliberate about how you go about your day or are you just going to let things come to you? And that's the distinction between people that are productive and, and non-productive. And we'll end on that. You want to hear more of this? Check out Nick's show. It's makeitsnappyshow.com. And you can find it on iTunes as well as most uh, podcast players. Just look for Make It Snappy Show. Thanks, Nick. And have a great time at the podcast movement in Chicago this week. I can't wait. It's going to be a blast. Thanks for having me. Say hi to all our friends for us. I sure will. Take care, Nick. Thanks. You too. Thanks, Alina. 
It is the year of the listener. And now, our Stable Scoop Listener of the Week. Well, coming up next, we have our Listener of the Week, Alex Smith. Hi, Alex. Hi, how are you? All right. You're from right up the street from where I used to live, Cincinnati, Ohio. Yep. (laughs) Do you like chili on your spaghetti? Of course, you have to. Well, I like four ways, but you have to have a three way at least. (laughs) I have to tell you, it was a little weird for me when I tried it. What an opener. (laughs) It was weird. It's a thing there in Cincinnati. Uh, Apparently. (laughs) Yeah, you have to try it if you come. It looks weird, but it's delicious. (laughs) See, everybody that's been to Cincinnati knows exactly what we're talking about. Well, now uh, you tell you have probably more horses than uh, I think. I we've only ever had one listener on so far this year that had as more horses than you. Ten horses, girl. Too many. <laughs> Are you just you collecting? Yeah, you're just collecting. <laughs> you want to buy one? Girl. <laughs> I have horses for sale. If anybody listening is interested, how'd you end up with ten horses? You know, it's they're kind of like potato chips, I guess. Um, no, we, uh, my boyfriend and I actually both, um, both were into horses when we met and, uh, it honestly was a bit more of him wanting to just get more and more. And I'm kind of the one that has to say no. Um, but we, we mostly have Arabs now. Um, we kind of started into the endurance riding and, and then we actually are now into the racing. So we kind of accumulated more and more as we got a little bit more into breeding at this time. So a couple half of the horses we have are actually babies and foals, so newer ones. And you got into Arabian racing? Yeah, we um uh, the endur- I was an event rider before we met and uh, my boyfriend actually was doing the endurance scene and that's how we started ending up with the uh the Arab and we did a couple endurance rides and, um, you know, took it seriously for about a year. And honestly, we kind of got to the point where we, uh, we were kind of tired of spending money and not making any. <laughs> so we, uh, a couple of the broodmares we Welcome had. Welcome to the horse um, world. <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, a couple of the broodmares we had were actually off the track Arabs. Um, so we, we kind of started to get uh, looking into that, uh, Michigan, um, was where we bought them and they have a, a racing scene up there. And we figured, well, why not, you know, try it, you know, at least. And, um, so we, we bought a filly last year as a three-year-old. Um, and, uh, she actually started on the track this May was her first race. Um, so she, she's raced three times and hit the board all three times. Um, oh, wow. so we, uh, we're, we're, we're racing her in a stakes race on Saturday. So that'll be our first big, big outing and the longest she's ever gone. So our fingers are kind of crossed on uh, that. Do but, you um, have a trainer? Are you the, the owner and the trainer or how's that work? Well, we neither, my boyfriend and I are in the process of trying to get our owners or our trainers license. Um, it's a pretty uh, intense test. You have to take both, um, you know, written and a barn test. Um, so we, we train the horses at home, um, and we, we have a couple of thoroughbred trainers because we have Turfway and Belterra so close, um, that have, you know, been letting us race under their names. Um, but we actually do the training part of it. Um, and then she's actually, our filly's actually out in Delaware and obviously I'm in Ohio, so it makes it a little tough. 
um, to, to be the trainer out there. So we do keep her with, um, a trainer out in Delaware that is racing her for us until we get our licenses. So now everybody that's lost money on their horses their whole life is now wondering if you've actually made any money at this point. But I have to stop you and ask you a question before you answer that one. We're we're talking about racing Arabians or racing thoroughbreds? Well, racing Arabians. um, We did dabble a little bit in the thoroughbred um, world over the winter. Um, Our our Arab filly that we bought, we bought her as a three-year-old, and she just wasn't quite mentally or physically mature to start on the track, so we wanted to give her another year. And being in Cincinnati, we're so close to so many thoroughbred tracks right. that we actually bought a thoroughbred in December and we raced him a couple of times. Um, he finally broke his maiden after 28 starts. Oh. <laughs> um, so, and then right after that, he kind of told us he didn't want to race anymore um, and uh, kind of just putted along in the middle of the pack and never really made a charge for the front. So we kind of said, well, I think after 30 starts, he's done. Um, so me being an eventer, I actually kind of looked at him when we bought him as an event prospect once he was done. So that's my current project right now. Um, but, uh, as of right now, we just have Arabs on the track. How long- and so there's, there's this, old, there's just an Arab, sorry, Glenn, this yeah. is so fascinating to me. So there's an Arab circuit. It's, it's not like, are there tracks specific to Arabian racing or yeah so there's only um i believe there's only a few states that race the closest one to us is michigan okay um and then delaware is the bigger track and then texas in the winter time um the reason why we chose to go to delaware is delaware is kind of on par and they do do service too but they're a bit more on par with like a churchill downs as far as there's purses um whereas michigan's a bit more on the the turfway you know belterra type um purses so for the same race that we would race in delaware for ten thousand, we would race in michigan for four so that was kind of our our reasoning on why she's actually at delaware which is an eight-hour drive as opposed to michigan which is four how long a race do they run um right now she's been racing six furlongs um she's actually we think she's a bit more of a route horse so the stakes race is actually a mile um, but Michigan runs four for long races, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to me because they're Arabs, not quarter Yeah, I was just going to say, <laughs> Arabs are just getting warmed up at a mile. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we've been, it's still early in the season. So a lot of horses are, you know, not quite fit yet. So that's why the, they're waiting to, to do the mile, mile and a half type races. So that's what we're gearing towards. But for the most part, they race about the same distances as thoroughbreds do. Huh. Well, did you ever think growing up that you'd be a uh, a racehorse owner? You know, I I remember when I was a kid going to to what well, was River Downs at the time, um, you know, and and watching the horses, and and so I always, you know, kind of thought, you know, it'd be cool to do that. Um, I never thought Arab, but I, I never really was an Arab fan growing up, but now I have ten of them somehow. Um, <laughs> but no, it it really is a lot of fun. I mean, you're you know even just with like the thoroughbred we had, you know, that first race, you know, watching him and then watching Lily, our Arabs first race. I mean, my heart was beating out of my chest and I'm watching it on my cell phone, like in my parking garage, cause she's all the way out in Delaware, but, um, it's a lot of fun. And you know, the, the people are super, super nice. I mean, you have your, um, 
you know, some that aren't, you know, as nice as others. But honestly, everybody's been very welcoming, kind of, you know, being novices in the in the sport. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. Well, that's wow. that's really cool. And, and when you, you can you can bet on them and everything, yeah. right? Just like thoroughbreds, it's just yeah. Actually, the her first race, I think I won fifty dollars on her <laughs> um, on a dollar bet. So I was like, oh, you know, this is good. And then the second race, she uh, her odds were were uh, not very good, and I think I made a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. When they start to win, their odds go down. So exactly, yeah. yeah. So I was like, "Oh, we need to like really do you know do really bad this next race." Then the following one, she she has some good odds. But and I assume it's like thoroughbred racing, where the jockey gets a cut, the trainer gets a cut, and you get what's left. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the the trainer gets ten percent, um, and then the jockey out in Delaware, I believe it's uh, the jockey will get ten percent if only if they hit the board. Um, and then they get an actual fee for riding, yeah, um, which a... they actually take that out of your check. Ah. So everything's already paid before you get your physical check. Right. Huh. Well, very cool. And and what do you do for a living to pay for I all of this? I work at a boring insurance company. Hey, I did that so for it's... 15 years. <laughs> I know what you're <laughs> Yeah, so I'm I'm stuck in a little cube for eight hours a day, and it takes me an hour to get to work one way. And uh, yeah, that's it's kind of uh, you know to have as many horses as we have, we had to you know find some place a bit farther out in the sticks, and um, you know we just commute. And then my boyfriend owns a personal training gym, so he also commutes an hour to to work each day. She found oh herself a strong hot guy. Uh, when do you eat and sleep? That's what I want to know. I, you know, I get up at five thirty, and by the time I like sit down in the evening, because I my um, my thoroughbred that I'm doing eventing with, and then um, our Arab stallion that I do dressage with, I actually keep them at a barn that's halfway in between. So as soon as I'm done here at work, I stop at my barn, I ride, and then I go home, and then have you know the horses at the house take care. So generally, it's about nine o'clock by the time I actually eat you know, eat dinner. Wow. That's a long day. Yes. When do you have time? You you listen to, you say you listen to a bunch of the shows here at the Horse Radio Network. You must do that in a car. No, actually, it's what keeps me like awake in my desk. I guess I hope nobody I work with is listening, but yeah, it keeps me sane. And (laughs) that's like the, I don't know what I would have done before social media and Facebook to get my horse fix in. Yeah. I know. I know. I, I wish on some of those long trips we would take at th- starting at 3.30 in the morning to horse shows. We had podcasts to listen to back to back in the day. Would have made the trip oh, yeah. go a lot better, that's for sure. Oh, well, yeah, definitely. Well, one of the before we get to your rapid-fire questions, uh, we asked <laughs> you what was one of the most adventurous places you have ridden, and I know that Jennifer has ridden there and absolutely loves it. I don't know if it's adventurous, but it's just beautiful, and that's Shaker Village in Kentucky. Oh, I was oh, there. Yeah. Yes, you were. We oh, were there gorgeous. together. Yes, yep. yes. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's it, it, what was really cool because we've ridden down there to do the endurance rides, and I think they sadly, I think they stopped doing the rides out there. But um, we, uh, you know, you'd start right at dawn, and the first part of the courses would be um, kind of near their rock walls where they would do a lot of like the uh, fox hunts, like the faux fox mm-hmm. hunts. 
So you'd be riding, you know, along a rock wall and then all of a sudden you see like a bunch of deer just jump out, you know, from nowhere. And, you know, it was, yeah, that's my favorite place to ride. Honestly, if I, I, I don't really do trail riding anymore. I just don't have time. And especially now that we don't, you know, do the endurance as much, but I'd love to just take the horses out there one random weekend and just ride for, for the fun of it. Cause it's gorgeous. It's hilly and there's like waterfalls and rip streams and all kinds of stuff in through. Oh there. yeah. Well, yeah. what I liked about it so much being an event rider was it's a lot like a cross country course. So you could pretty much canter the whole thing and, you know, kind of take it as being a cross-country course without the jump. Well, were we there when they did the hounds in town, Helena? No, I missed it. Yeah, we Jennifer and I had gone down for that a couple times. They do have a hunt down there. And this is below, for all those that wonder what we're talking about, it's Shaker Village in Kentucky below <laughs> Lexington. And if you just go for the historical part, it's cool. One of the, my favorite pictures of Helena and I together was taken at Shaker Village. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it's just a neat place to visit. But they do the running of the hounds or whatever they call that uh, through right through the old Shaker Village. And that was one of the coolest things I've seen fox hunting wise because you had the old buildings and everything. And then you have the hounds coming through. And it just seemed like it would have been 150 years ago. You know, it was, it was mm-hmm. really neat. It was really neat. Well, that's very cool. How did you hear about uh, Horse Radio Network in the first place? Um, well, actually, it was when I first started working for the insurance company. Um, you know, a lot of bored. my friends, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> a lot bored. of my, my coworkers were listening to podcasts, and I never really, you know, paid attention to them. I didn't, I knew what they were. Um, and then uh, somebody was talking about how he was listening to a podcast on, I don't know, like Comic Con or something. And uh, so I, I just started doing some Google searching, and, and that's how I found it. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> So, yeah, basically I was bored. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. Well, Helena, are you ready? Yes, sir. I am ready. Okay. Here we go. These are going to be rapid fire, so you got to be quick, quick, quick. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite food? Uh, Any kind of seafood. What's your least favorite food? Avocados. (laughs) What's your biggest equestrian pet peeve? Helmet covers. (laughs) (laughs) Enough said, enough said. Do you have a favorite professional or celebrity equestrian? Uh, You know, I do love David O'Connor. I I took a camp with him a couple years ago and he's just amazing. What career other than one with horses would you like to try? I would like to be a chef. I love food. If you won a million dollars and you had to spend it in one week, what would you do with it? Does, it? does it have to be horse related? Nope. Um, I would buy a farm in Ocala. <laughs> Welcome down. Come on down. There's a lot for sale. Be my neighbor. I know. I what don't know is... if a million would be enough, though. Oh, yeah. yeah you no could kidding. do just fine down here for a million bucks. You'd be good. <laughs> well, she would need, like, some extra. Although, you have outfit. 10 horses. <laughs> That's yeah. All right. What is the most terrifying thing you've ever done, and would you do it again? Um, oh. um, I would say when I was actually in high school, I had to do a speech in front of about 200 people in our auditorium, but I would not do it again. <laughs> mm, interesting. So no public speaking. If you could avoid it, you will. Exactly. Got it. If you could have a superhero power, what superhero power would you have? 
I would definitely want to fly. Traffic here sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, especially when you're doing all that driving between barns. And <laughs> yeah. I got it. And the last question, pick one horse out of your herd, just one. And if you could ask him or her a question, which horse would it be and what would you ask him or her? Um, so I would ask my dressage horse. I would ask him why he randomly likes to bolt in the middle of our test. <laughs> That'd be a good question. <laughs> he doesn't do it when you're practicing your schooling at home. He only does it during tests. You know, it's he will sometimes. Um, what I think we found is it's actually um, like a magnesium deficiency. Um, it only happens in the spring. And we can walk, trot, and canter fine, and then randomly out of nowhere. It's almost like he, almost like somebody took a taser to him and stuck him with it. His head goes up, and he bolts like he's insane. Interesting. And then I'll bring him back to like a, you know, I basically have to circle him down. And once I get him back to a smaller circle, we stop, we take a breath, and then he's fine again. And there's nothing, you know, nothing happened, no noise, no nothing. It's very bad. random. And too, once I, I started too, him on a magnesium supplement this spring, huh. and after about two weeks of being on that, it stopped. Huh. That's different. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So is he still on the supplement now? Yes. Yep. I keep him on it basically until the winter time. Okay. Um, and, and it stops. And he every once in a while, we, we were at a, a regional show last weekend, and um, in the actual ring, he was okay, but he gets, pretty excitable in the warm-up and somebody clapped at a dressage test and off he went. Mm. <laughs> you know, but you would like to know for sure, like, what, yeah. what's your deal? What well, is this? Yeah, like, what are we is on the right happening? path? What's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah, and are we Exactly. Helping? Like, can we, we just chill out? Yeah, because they haven't put bolting in the test yet. Um, <laughs> they no, should, though. A lot of people would do it. well. <laughs> yeah, you'd get a 10 every time. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. As long as you stay in the ring. <laughs> Well, I I am so excited that to talk to you. We have not talked to anybody yet that owns Arabian race horses, so that's very cool. And you said the race is this coming Saturday. Send me the details, and I'll post it on our Facebook page so everybody can can watch. Okay. <laughs> Wish her good luck. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah totally. So send me the yeah, details, I, the name, and what race, and all that stuff. Yeah, um, I I know so. Generally, always the last race of the day or the last two, if they split, I think they'll split the boys and the girls um, down at Delaware Park. I'm not sure the post time yet, but yeah, I'll get that to you. Okay, that sounds great. Well, Alex, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you yeah, also thank you. for being an auditor. We really appreciate that. And if you, it makes you feel any better about your fear, you said you spoke yeah. to, what, 100 people, and it, that made you nervous. Well, you've just spoke to 180 times that. And, uh, yeah, but I'm not looking at them. That's <laughs> <laughs> true, and especially when it's high school kids. <laughs> that's why we do that's podcasts. Right. You don't know that Helene and I weren't making faces at you like those other kids were. Uh, so well, you, that's true. You don't know that. All right, thanks, well, she Alex. she now, because, yeah, we pretty <laughs> I much gave do. it up. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> All, right. All right, we'll see you, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Bye. Well, Helena, I see you're doing some cool stuff with Sparkle and Boom right now. Yes, sir. Sparkling Boom is launching headfirst into the podcast network arena. So you guys have heard me talk about that Newport show, which is the podcast that Buck and I launched after attending PodFest in Tampa with the Horse Radio Network. So um, 
I already own a marketing firm called Sparkle and Boom, which again, a lot of our listeners have heard about. Sparkle and Boom offers creative and practical marketing services, which is a little bit different in our niche industry. Um, But a lot of what we do is advising our clients about how to get their message out. And sometimes that message is just really fun stories or interesting information like we have with Nick Snap and the Make It Snappy Productivity Show. And um, through a lot of our client connections, we found that podcasting could be just the right platform for them, their stories, whether it's business-related or entertainment-related. And so we now have the Sparkle and Boom Podcast Network, upon which our flagship show, that Newport show, has found its home. Wow, geez, I didn't even know that. So very yep. cool. Congratulations. Thank well, you. Well, you should know something about podcasting. You've been doing it longer than most people. So <laughs> I have, and thanks to your expertise, your guidance, and your mentorship. It was my keynote speech at PodFest that really it motivated was. you, wasn't it? And yeah. you said, make it about the network. You have a great show, but you know what? You make one great show, and sure enough, they'll be lining up at your door for two great shows. And, and then pretty three soon you'll be exhausted shows. like me and doing ten. So, and I will, no, I will not do 10. (laughs) (laughs) Well, congratulations. That's terrific. Thank you very much. You can find out more at sparklingboom.com. Sparklingboom.com. Just click the link that says podcasts. Well, this week on our horselovers.com tack and habit product review, we have Otter Avery with us. Hi, Avery. Hi, Glenn and Helena. So where are you from, Avery? Uh, Washington State. Washington State. Wow, way out there. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And you are reviewing the Weather Beta Light Fetlock Boots. Mm. Uh, So obviously these are... Boots for the Fetlock. These are pretty simple. The the <laughs> product is descriptive. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you used them, what you did, and what you thought. Sure. So I have, um, I actually use them on all three of my horses, but my two thoroughbreds are both really hard on boots, and I go through several pair of boots every year um, because they like to be a little clumsy. Um, so I put these on their hind Fetlocks and just did my usual riding, did dressage, I hacked out with them, I jumped with them, um, didn't go cross country in them, but I did uh, stadium jumping and just kind of put them to the test and, and used and abused them. And? And they held up. I was really surprised. Um, I've had a couple pair of leather beta boots in the past and these held up way better than anything I've ever used. Um, they surpassed the, the current boots I'm on at the moment that have, that have fallen apart. And aside from the, the dust and dirt that, you know, just hoses off, they don't actually have any scuff marks, any tears, uh, any, any nicks or anything on them. They look almost new, even though I've been using them for about a month now. Oh, wow. Wow. Hmm. And, and are they, uh, are, is it super Velcro or how, how's the Velcro? So, yeah, so they have a one of those double latch um, closures where you pull the, the inner Velcro across and then there's the outer tab um, that folds over. So it makes it a little bit harder if their feet get tangled up. It's hard for them to knock them off. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's very strong Velcro. It, it 
holds really well. I don't have trouble getting it off. Um, and the inner Velcro does have a little bit of elastic on it. So you're not risking pulling them too tight and uh, harming your horse's legs. That is a work. problem, actually, with some yeah. of them. You can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Definitely. Cause a lot of problems. Definitely. And it looks like there's a keeper um, over the Velcro, too. So if that extra tab, you got a little extra tab there, I hate it when it flaps. <laughs> yes. And that, that was the one issue that I did have with the boots. I mean, I used them on all three of my, my two thoroughbreds and my Mustang. Um, but they, I felt like they were a little bit big on that Velcro flap. So it did, it did hang out a little bit, but having that, that little tab there kept it from flopping around when we were riding. Cool. That thing is called a sandwich closure. Did you know that? No. I did not know that. I knew it had to have some sort of a name. Yeah, that, I didn't know I, it either until I, I read something. the description and I went, what the heck's a sandwich closure? I, you know, <laughs> I didn't know. Closure. Yeah, that was a new one on me. I guess somebody had to come up with a yeah. name for it. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that's very cool. Did they stay in place or did they tend to want to twist? Did they Are they contoured correctly? So they stayed wonderfully. They're made out of a uh, perforated neoprene type uh, material and then the um, strike shield which is on the inside of the fetlock is a PVC type molded um, plate and that kind of helped it. You got it on the fetlock and I, I never had any trouble with them slipping down or spinning or um, riding up or going where they weren't supposed to once I had them on. They were they were staying put. Well that's terrific. Well, and they're they are the right price. If they're holding up that well, they're the right price at forty four ninety nine on horselovers dot com for a pair. You can get uh, several different sizes. They have cob, full, and warm blood. Cob, horse, and warm blood, and they also come in black and white. So get your order in today. Head over to horselovers.com and just search for Weatherbeta Light Fetlock Boots or Weatherbeta Fetlock Boots. They'll come up. Thank you so much, for Avery, for doing this review. We appreciate it and enjoy your boots. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, I enjoyed talking with you both. Well, that was fun. You know, if you want to become an auditor, just head on over to stablescoop.com. There's an auditor banner in the middle of the page for as little as a dollar a month. You can, too, can join the fun. You can join the super secret Facebook page for auditors. Say that have, five times yeah, know, fast. Where they have a thousand conversations. I cannot keep up on the Facebook page for auditors. No, I they, can't either. They're just talking about everything over there. Plus, that's where we make the announcements about products to review, books to review, all different kinds of things over there. It actually pays to be an auditor. Head on over to stablescoop.com. And there's a new blooper show coming out shortly with all of Helena's bloopers on it. Oh. So you know, the auditors get the exclusive rights to listen to the blooper episode. You know, so. I wanted to be famous on the Horse Radio Network. It's just I'm going to be famous <laughs> for exactly the thing. Do you save Bucks bloopers to blackmail them with later for that Newport show? I have not saved. Oh, we, we you just should. started a blooper reel. You just should. started, and and because he's come up with a couple of funny ones. <laughs> You should save those, and because you never know when you might need those. Later. <laughs> well, uh, uh, bloopers between two people who are in a relationship when they're recording are actually really funny. Yeah, not all of them you want to put out there. <laughs> I'd be like, cut there. He's like, what? What did I do? I was like, you said it wrong. <laughs> the other day, the other day he said, uh, we were talking about a 160-foot boat, and he called. He said a 106-foot boat. And I was like, he said, la, 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 la 106-foot boat. And it gets all quiet. I'm supposed to talk. And he's like, what's the matter? I was like, cut. He goes, what? What'd I do? I said, it's a 160-foot boat. (laughs) 
He was like, wah, wah, wah. 106, 160. <laughs> yeah, once you get over 100, who cares? <laughs> I was like, well, the people the people in the boating industry, you know, six inches is a big yeah, deal. That's right. 60 feet would have been a bomb. When you, you know? pay that much per foot for your boat, they count those feet. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. But it's funny to hear that the blooper between us, you know. Like, well, what's whatever. coming up on the next episode of That Newport Show? Coming up on that, we actually, this is one of my really exciting episodes. We spoke to a guy named Barry Hinckley, and um, Barry started a company called Yacht Me, and it's an app. Yacht Me? <laughs> yep. It's a party app. Oh, it really? <laughs> so cool. At first, I was like, this is dumb, 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 dumb. But then I met a couple of people at one of the boat shows in Newport, and she says, I have the Yacht Me app. I've been to Yacht Me parties. It's a great way to meet people. So is it basically, for singles or no, no, it's for anybody. You could use it for business networking, um, people who anyone who like shares your passion, or if you're new in town, you download the app to your phone and you put in your profile as you would like. It could even use your Facebook profile if you want, and then you type in your location and all the part. And now they're private parties. These are private parties, so all the parties will show up in near your location. And you, you know, you look at the description, you figure out if this is something you want to attend and you submit your profile for an invitation. Now, the downside is you could be rejected, but most of the time you're, you know, you're accepted. how big your boat is? No, it's, there's all different kinds. It's not just swanky parties. There are cocktail parties, but there's like beach barbecue get togethers, people who like to surf, people who like to ride horses, um, and it's a mix. It's not just singles. It's couples and, and singles. And you have to own a boat? It's not, it has nothing to do with boats. Yacht, Y-O-T, means um, to be close together. Oh, see, I, that's where I was getting confused. I thought, I thought it was Y-A-H-T. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's Y-O-T. Um, Go Yacht Me is their website. And again, I thought it was like the dorkiest thing ever. But um, so anyway, so you you apply for an invitation. They accept your invitation. You go to the party. And most of the time, there'll be the party will be half of people who know each other. And then the other half are new. You know, they, they try to mix it up. And then once the party's over, you get rated as a guest. <laughs> so if you're a total jerk, like if you go and you drink too much and you, you know, I don't know, pee on somebody's couch or something, you're going to get like one star. But if you're just like, you're chill and you're fun, pretty much everybody gets like, you know, five stars or whatever. So oh, there's funny. a little, there's a little bit of accountability, but you, you don't want to be inviting weirdos to your party, right? Yeah. But I guess once they see the ratings and it helps, right? It totally helps. And, um, Barry, the fellow who founded the company was like, you know, it's, it, it could be abused, you know, meaning you could trash somebody and rate them really poorly or whatever, but it hasn't been. It's actually turned out to be a really great way to meet new people. And yet, you know, you show up at a house for a party, you're on your best behavior. Well, number one, you're going to, you want to meet new people. So you're going to put your best foot forward anyway. But on, you know, on the other hand, you, you can't just show up and take advantage of these people's hospitality and willingness to open their their homes and their venues to you. So it's turning out to be a really cool thing. And Buck and I, we're going to host a party, actually. We're going to go to one and then we're going to host and one. Barry probably gets invited. He probably gets more free food. Yeah. Well, he could get sponsored. invited to any party. 
He gets invited to any party, but then there's also sponsors. So some of the bigger um, liquor companies are now starting to... So if you decide you want to host a Yacht Me party and you sign up, sometimes the you can get a sponsor. They'll be like, this is cool. So-and-so is having a beach party. Well, we're going to supply all vodka, let's say. Huh. And um, Lagunitas Beer sponsored some. It's just... A, and they're all over the country. Isn't that funny? Huh. All over the country. So we're going to test it out and and try it. It's like it's like Airbnb for house parties. <laughs> if I lived closer, I'd apply, but I think you'd reject me. So uh, no, they have them in Ocala too. They have them in Florida. Oh, I have to check yeah. it out. See if there's all any over. at horse farms. Yeah, you can. So you put in your location where you live, and then it'll you'll say how far do you want to travel. So you can put into a couple hundred miles. Very cool. Very cool. Well, Helena, that's it. That's all we have time for today. Of course, if you want to hear Helena's other show, go to that thatandnewportshow.com. For details about today's show, go to stablescoop.com. And did you know that you can get the Horse Radio Network app right on your iOS or Android phone? Yep. Just search for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It is free, my favorite word, and super easy to use. We really love your feedback. Just send us an email. It's probably the best way. Helena at horseradionetwork.com or Glenn at horseradionetwork.com. If you want to be a guest as part of the listener of the year, just drop me an email and we'll make sure you get on the show. And many thanks to our sponsors, horselovers.com, That Newport Show, and Sparkle and Boom. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network. You can find them at horseradionetwork.com. We done? Yep, that's it. Well, there'll be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. Mm -hmm.